Welcome to the Take Care podcast. I'm Maya Mari, and through this podcast, I have conversations with artists on wellness and how they experience it within their lives. This podcast is part of the Take Care project by the Visual Arts Network of South Africa. Take Care considers mental health to be a key issue for the professional health of the visual arts and of visual arts practitioners and designs interventions to support artists. You can find out more at vansatake.care. In this episode, we speak to painter-photographer Kizia Gerber. Kizia generously shares with us her experience of navigating depression at different points in her life. She describes her everyday strategies for meeting and moving through heavy feelings and moments of depression. Lastly, she talks about how her work as an artist is the bridge she uses to work on mental wellness. Kezia emphasizes an empowering approach to cultivating mental wealth and joy that looks to the simple things that we can do right now to uplift our minds and hearts. Welcome, Kezia. Thank you so much for joining me and for agreeing to do this conversation this morning. It's, it's really lovely to have this opportunity to sit down with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invitation. I'd love to hear what does wellness mean for you and what does it look like within your life? I suppose that wellness means different things in different contexts to you. Your requirements change daily for what would make you feel well. For me, myself, if I can wake up in the morning without feeling like I haven't slept at all, you know, I feel like then my mind is rested. If I'm anxious and things, I don't sleep well, so then I don't wake up well. But if I wake up well in the morning, I already feel like we've won the first battle. I think because I have a child as well, a lot of my wellness is directly related to his as well. So wellness for me is also if my – his name's Aaron. So if Aaron – is happy and calm, then also that makes me happy and calm. So also when he's happy and calm, it also shows me that I'm doing something right. But on a physical level, I think wellness for me means being able to make good choices or not worrying about fear, not being trapped in fear. So if I'm able to make the choice to make a healthy breakfast or if I have the energy to make a healthy breakfast, you know, or if I have the energy to pack a healthy lunch for myself and for my child, or, you know, if I go for that walk, it's those days that you don't have the energy to go for the walk that you know would actually make you feel better. It's that when I feel that I'm lacking in my wellness. I do know logically that going for the walk will give me more energy, you know, it'll make me feel better, we'll release endorphins, 
And that also helps you get out of funk because you're changing scenery and it allows your mind to be free. But when you don't have the energy to put your running shoes on, it's hard to go for that walk. Struggling with depression and anxiety on days where I'm feeling well, my dialogue is positive, my inner dialogue. On days when I'm not feeling well, it's like you're kind of battling battling an invisible monster who just keeps telling you how bad you are, you know, and how everything you're doing sucks. I have a, a scale in our house, a one to ten scale, that we check in with each other on, me and my partner. So if I wake up in the morning and I wake up at a two or a three, it's important for my partner to know that as well, you know, because that obviously changes kind of the dynamic of the morning, which changes the dynamic of the whole day if you're living in close quarters with someone. So I suppose wellness also is like waking up anything above a five (laughs) is like today we will be well. Today I can do things, you know, I'm, I'm not waking up on a zero or a minus two. My idea of wellness is not a fixed constant it's more of a what am I able to currently do what is the thing I can do that'll make me feel the best the fastest I live by the sea so when I'm feeling awful the first thing I want to do is go swim the water just even if my mind still feels kind of dark when I get out of the water my body feels invigorated and then it's kind of like your body carries your mind for a little while you know until your mind can kind of like okay I'm fine I do small things like there's always a lot of fruit in my house it's easier to drink a glass of water than it is to go for a run but a glass of water will also make you feel better music we do a lot of music in the house (laughs) my my partner is a musician and I I also have a musical background, and my little boy is definitely musical. So we do a lot of live shows. We'll play some live shows, or we make a lot of music together as well. I I dance as well. I dance in my studio. I put music on and I dance. Like I have certain songs that are like, you can't listen to the song and feel sad. Having fun. I feel fun elevates your frequency really fast and makes joy more accessible. And when joy is accessible, it just raises everything up a little bit and makes it easier to breathe. I like to do silly things like when I go grocery shopping, I park my car far from the entrance and then I will run and jump on the trolley all the way to my car. You can't, you can't race a trolley to your car and not be in that moment. You kind of got to watch for cars and all these things, you know, make sure your trolley doesn't fall over or like whatever. You can only be absorbed in that. And it's the same as when you're swimming in the sea and a wave is smashing you over. You're pretty much in the sea, wave is smashing you. There's nothing else that you can be thinking about at that same second. I suppose trying to do things that keep you in the moment might also being mindful, you know, would also be part of, how I try and maintain wellness in my life. Thank you for these reflections. And I can feel that they they come from journeying and experiencing <laughs> and, you know, and really taking out the, the kind of the diamonds, the jewels from your experience. Oh, <laughs> I'd love for you to share with us about a time in your life 
um, when you your experience was not well or your experience of wellness <laughs> was was challenged um yeah and how you navigated that Ew. um I mean when I think of times in my life when I was the most depressed my a lot of my depression comes from relationships from friendships from love relationships um I and I mean also I think our mental health stems from a lot of environmental things as well. Your inner voice is a combination of all the people who have ever raised you. But um, many years ago, I I was in a very bad relationship. In a, well, not with a bad person. I think we just were not good for each other. You know, our, um, It was very emotionally abusive for me. Um, and also, I mean combination of that person's past and whatever you know we just we were not good for each other and at the same time I just moved and I was doing a new job which also I mean starting a new job in a new town is both one of the most stressful things you can go through in life as well I've kind of always felt like I am on the edge of society so I although I enjoy being alone a lot of the time I feel lonely a lot um and then Couple that with being in a bad relationship with someone who's not supporting me, being in a new town, starting a new job. I don't know anyone. You know, it was probably, I mean, no, I say probably, it was the lowest point, one of my lowest points. As a teenager, probably around the age of 16 or 17, I felt suicidal for the first time. And I was able to tell my mom that I felt suicidal and to kind of at that time go, I don't know what to do with this. You have to fix it now. Um, and she immediately took me to a doctor. And at that time, just we got medication and uh, therapy. Um, and in my 20s, with that bad relationship, I um, at the time, my, my parents live in Scotland. So all these things. And also, I'm alone <laughs> in South Africa. And, you know, I, I could phone my dad and I literally just told him, get me the hell out of here you know like I can't I can't survive anymore like my spirit is dying you know so but I have to say that I I've been very lucky that I have um a very supportive mom and dad although they don't always understand all my crazy um they do support me when I got to Scotland I was there for about six months and I was just very lucky that I didn't have to work um, I could just stay with my family and I run, I'm a runner. I walk a lot. So at that time I was walking for an hour every morning, running for an hour every night, um, cycling everywhere I could. So I was really focused on moving my body. I've always, I've danced my whole life long. So I think movement has always been very important to me. Sometimes just stretching probably just kind of all the way up, all the way around and kind of just feeling the edges of your body. We forget how big and how um, strong we can be, you know, because when you're feeling depressed and sad, you kind of make yourself small. And it's almost like your muscles start solidifying. It becomes harder and harder and harder to get out. And I think that time I also just immersed myself in my creativity. So I specialized in painting and photography. And at that time, 
I just took photographs of everything and anything and I was able to enrich my, you know, do fun things. Like I love classical music. I love Beethoven. So I could, when I was in Scotland, go and see a symphony of Beethoven, you know, all by myself. It's just me and a whole bunch of really old people in the in the audience. But when you make that, when you have that time, it's easy. It's easy to deal with a big dip or a mental break when you don't have to pay rent and you don't have to feed your family and you don't have to worry about all these things. So because of my baby boy, I don't get all that me time anymore. Time to just sit and stare at the wall because that's what I need to do right now. You know, and now we're talking fast forward to a time when I do have rent to pay and like I don't have the time to take six months and just run every day and just eat whatever, you know. Now we're talking like real world adult I have a job to do and all these things. And um, it's almost like before I had an option, you know, I had an option where I could just stay in bed all day and just phone in sick to work and just not do anything. Although that's still something that I need, it's not something that's accessible anymore. So I have to find something else. You've got to be inventive, I suppose, and be open that anything could make you feel better. a bit more about what that depression looked like at that different point those different points and particularly because I think this is something that people will you know will resonate and see part of their own experience so so I'd love to hear a bit more about what that looks like what it feels like how it shows up at at those moments When I'm feeling depressed, I feel like I'm trying to do normal stuff, but in sludge. So everything around me is sludge. The air around me is like clay. And when I have to make a cup of coffee, I have to move my arm through the clay to get the mug and then to get the mug all the way down to the table. It's like everything, every movement in my body is heavy and stifled I become slow and and also another thing that I that I think people don't speak about often enough is my memory my short-term memory goes out the window it's like when I it's kind of like you go into survival mode and in survival mode there's no mental space for a lot of things there is only mental space for breathe remember to breathe remember to breathe I have to constantly remind myself to take deep breaths to get oxygen all the way down to the bottom of my lungs It's like in a restaurant when there's a skeleton crew, like everything still happens, but it happens very slowly. And things that should be easy or hard. Just getting up to go and pee, having to convince yourself, okay, you really can't hold it anymore. You really have to go, right? You know, it's just everything is hard. Normal stuff is hard. I really struggle with (laughs) emails and cell phone calls. 
when I speak on the phone, I have to send a part of my energy to the person on the other side of the phone. And when I'm feeling down, I don't have the energy to do that. I can't. I get oversensitized. Like everything around me is too loud. I, my studio is just down the road from the taxi rank. And usually I don't hear them at all. Like they hoot all the time, but I, I, you kind of get used to the background noise. But on days when I'm feeling really sensitive, I feel like they are hooting inside my studio. It's like they're right here by, my, by me. And the sun is too bright. I guess that's also part of my depression journey is at a stage I had to stop fighting my depression, stop trying not to be depressed, stop trying not to be anxious and just accept this is me. This is part of me. Sometimes I don't like it very much. And sometimes I'm like, really, do we have to do this right now? You know, but it's all, it's, it's all part of trust as well. Like I, I now have come to a point where I trust I am meant to be this way. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, it's just I'm special. I'm incredibly special. I see things in a special way. And sometimes silly things are hard for me to do. Sometimes it's hard for me to write an email. Sometimes it's hard for me to answer the phone. Often I don't answer the phone just because I can't. But I have, like, um, backup plans, you know. Even if all I do is coloring a whole page with a black marker. That also makes me feel better. It's a simple exercise. You don't always have to have the expensive therapy or the expensive medication, although I condone medication. I think everyone needs to have what works for them. But I guess it's also trying to pick up on things early. When I see that I'm on my third cup of coffee for today, I should probably be aware of the fact that something is bothering me. Why am I on my third cup of coffee today? Because that's not a healthy, it's not a healthy habit. And generally, when you're feeling good, you're more inclined to have those healthy habits or to maintain those healthy habits. So I think it's just trying to be mindful of what you're doing, you know, where you're at. I, um, life just seems to rush by sometimes. You don't always have a moment to check in with yourself, but it's really important. When I'm in a spiral, and it still happens to me often, even when I think I'm being aware. I think the first thing I do is I tell my partner, tell someone, even even if they can't help you, which I mean, like sometimes if he's working and stuff, he can't come to my aid or whatever. But just just knowing that someone else knows that I'm not feeling well makes me feel not alone. The first thing I always try and do is feel it. When you're trying to ignore the fact that you're not feeling well, it amplifies the fact that you're not feeling well. And just kind of sit with my depression, you know, just kind of say, hey, I see you, I feel you, I'm sorry you're not feeling well today. And just kind of be depressed for a little bit, even if it's just five minutes, like give yourself a little bit of time, you know. I know like sometimes it's hard if you're working in a high-pressure job or you're in the space, you know, like in a space with lots of other people, it's not like you can go and be sad for a while. But even if you just go to the bathroom for two minutes, just be with it. The more you try and fight it, like it's not going to go away. If you're feeling bad, there's a reason for it. Or if you're feeling sad or if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling anxious, there is something that you are not being aware of. So just 
accept it for a moment. I mean, just last week, I have deadlines. I have things that have to be done, and I do get overwhelmed sometimes. And then I put my carpet under my table at work. Well, okay. Also, I work for myself, so it's not like I'm hiding from my boss. <laughs> um, I put my carpet under my table and I hide away. You know, I put some music on and I just sleep under my table for a few hours because I know that if I don't do that, everything after that is harder. I grew up in a house with um, my dad didn't always really get depression and often would tell me to stop crying. Stop crying. You know, just stop crying. And the thing for me is when I am feeling depressed, it is so important for me, the person that I am, to cry because that is part of me accepting this is how I feel, acknowledging this is how I feel, and it's part of me moving past it is getting it out. Don't wallow in it. You know, kind of hold hands with it and be like, what can we do? What can we do together? What can we do? My heart always feels better after I've had a good cry. The minute I, I think of the, the list of hundreds of things that will make me feel better, that I must do to make me feel better, it's too overwhelming. And then you end up doing none of them, you know. But if I just think of what can I do right now? What can I do? And what I can do changes. But can I eat an apple instead of buying a chocolate bar? Yes, I can do that. Can I drink tea instead of coffee just for today? Yes, I can do that. You know, and these these tiny little things they they are the thing that help you wake up at a five in the morning instead of at a two. So I want to squeeze in the last question, which you have sure. spoken about. But if there's anything else you'd like to say about how um, wellness and your awareness of wellness, your practices of wellness your ideas of wellness, how do they contact, how do they connect to your work as an artist? Mental health is my uh, subject, maybe my theme, you know, is mental health is my purpose and using my art is how I will create this bridge, right? It's the language that I use. My art I do abstract paintings um, that don't have a perspective because I want the viewer to change their perspective and in doing so change their perception. I think people struggle a bit more with abstract art because they feel unsure, like they don't get it. I love abstract art because it doesn't tell you what it is. It asks you what you see. You know, it actually engages you to look at the artwork. When you see an artwork of a landscape, I mean, everything in you that's ever seen a landscape recognizes the landscape and you kind of read the landscape, you've seen this landscape and you know it. When you look at an abstract painting, you're looking at something you don't know and you don't know how to interpret. Um, I like engaging people's imaginations because I think imagination is one of the keys to managing mental wealth. If your imagination is telling you that you are the deepest, darkest, lowliest life form in the world, your imagination could be telling you that you are a beam of light, you know, that's been entrapped in a human body. You could be anything. Two years ago, I started a, a postcard. I call it a postcard project, actually. I have this A5 book. It's just like a ring binder book. 
what I did with this book was every time I felt depressed, I would draw in it. And not as a cure for my depression, but more as an acknowledgement, right? So this whole book has got 72 images in it or 72 moments of my depression. No matter where I am or sometimes we're traveling and I just feel dark, you know, and I just wanted to get it out on paper. Um, and then during the lockdown, I have I had another book like that and I, I decided to make postcards because I come from a postcard family. <laughs> um, we still send postcards to each other. And I love the feeling of getting a postcard. When you get one and you have that moment of like, they thought of me while they were out on their adventures, you know, they were thinking of me. And I suppose slogans for postcards are kind of wish you were here. Can't wait to see you. There are all these link things, you know, the kind of link people together. So I created the postcard project during the lockdown to kind of make sure people knew they weren't alone. So what actually would happen is you buy a postcard, but you don't get the postcard that you've bought. You get the postcard from someone else. So you'll buy a postcard and it'll be sent to someone else in the world who also either has depression or anxiety or um, perhaps feels like they're alone. And, um, yeah, you just get a postcard so you knew that you're not alone out there. In 20. 19, the World Health Organization estimated that the suicide rate was one person every 20 seconds. And they estimated that in the year 2020, it would be one person every 10 seconds. And that was before the pandemic. Just make it real for a second. We've been talking for an hour and a half. If we go with one person every 20 seconds, three people a minute, nine times three, so 210 people have killed themselves in the hour and a half conversation we've had with each other. And that to me is, that is part of my depression. And the sadness that I carry in my soul is that we live in a world where this is allowed. If I can make people aware of all the small things they could be doing to make themselves feel better, then even that would help. That's kind of my like life goal at the moment is like everything and anything I can possibly do, I will do until that number starts rising until it's less and less and less and less and less, you know, it's my goal. <laughs>